As the Defense Department digs out of its mound of technical debt, the Chief Information Officer's Office is ensuring military services and defense agencies receive value for those new investments. DOD is implementing a revamped, a revamped approach to IT portfolio management to better connect investments to mission requirements. Federal News Network's Executive Editor Jason Miller joins us now to talk about how this new investment process will work and where DOD is going next on its IT modernization journey. Hello, Jason. Hey, Jared. So uh, portfolio management is the key here, right? How's DOD revamping its approach here? We'll start off by saying it's not the most sexiest topic when it comes to IT modernization, right? No one talks about this in terms of, oh, look at the cloud and zero trust. But in many ways, IT portfolio management really is the key to all of this success. And if you look at what DOD's done over the last 15 or 20 years, I went back to as far as 2005 to find really the first memo, maybe not the first memo, but the oldest document I could find in my limited search that dates back to 2005 with IT portfolio management. And what the Pentagon is doing now is moving more from what we'll call a planning document to an approach that's more data-driven. Now, Danielle Metz is the Deputy Chief Information Officer for Information Enterprise. She was speaking at the HR Digital Transformation event yesterday, and Metz says the new framework will integrate DOD's business processes to enforce recommendations for optimization and modernization. We will enable DOD CIO to track what IT capabilities are non-compliant with policies, strategies, and architectures, what portion of the DOD IT budget is aligned to non-compliant capabilities, and what capabilities are executing modernization plans. We are developing metrics and targets to track the improvement of data sources that are critical in supporting this framework. These metrics will address the data quality of each authoritative data source, the optimization of the data sources themselves, and the interoperability between data sources and other DoD platforms. We will then integrate the IT portfolio management process with the DoD budget cycle to ensure resources reflect IT portfolio management decisions and that resulting initiatives have the funding they require. That's uh, DoD Deputy CIO Danielle Metz. She's talking about the portfolio management approach that really they're, they're kicking off a new one that's going to lead to better decisions, tying that budget data to IT performance and to technology strategic plans. And, and as you said, Jason, this idea of portfolio management in DoD has been kind of kicking around since at least 2005, which seems about right to me. Why is uh, why is the DoD CIO shop at this point feel like it's time to, to take another crack at this? I think there's a couple obvious reasons we can point to. The first one is, well, DoD's budget is likely to be flat. Maybe see a small decrease next year. Uh, you know, DoD has experienced a lot of uptick in, in, in the budget over the last several years, but I think we're going to see a smaller one. And that, of course, makes sure ensuring every dollar is well spent, and that is much more important as, when, as budgets either shrink or, or stay flat. But I think more specifically, DoD's IT modernization journey really has taken off over the last year, particularly around moving to the cloud, and METS offers this update on DoD's progress. Since 2010, the DoD has closed over 1,400 data centers with hundreds more scheduled to close as systems continue to migrate to more effective, efficient, and secure environments. In late 2018, my office focused on cloud adoption and data center consolidation with 14 defense agencies and field activities or as we call them, the DAFAs, as part of the DOD's IT reform activities. We started this initiative in earnest with the goal of moving 960 individual systems to targeted cloud environments and closing 60 data centers by fourth quarter FY21. To date, we have completed 80% of our goal on target and have action plans in place to complete the remaining 20% by next year. 
Now, Med says the more and more service members now have the ability to take advantage of modern compute and storage capabilities. And of course, Jared, you know, this leads to building more applications in the cloud. Yes, and doing that faster, moving the entire software development uh, lifecycle uh, into, a, into a place where things can be done end to end in a much quicker way. How, how, how is DoD addressing that particular challenge? Over the last few years, Jared, we know that DOD and really all the military services have been focused on this concept of DevSecOps. Now, the Air Force's Platform One capability and corresponding software factory is just one of several examples that you and, and, and others at Federal News Network write about quite often. Now, Danielle Metz, the de deputy DOD CIO, talks about the fact that she is working with the Undersecretaries of Acquisition and Sustainment and Research and Engineering. She's one of the three co-chairwomen's or chair people of the Software Modernization Senior Steering Group. Now, this group's goal is really to accelerate this use of DevSecOps across the department. It's updating IT and acquisition policies and guidance, but also offering enterprise platforms. Right now, different DoD components manage many of the department's networks, data centers, and clouds. By consolidating these various efforts at the enterprise level, we will enable the CIO to provide greater security and ensure greater reliability of the department's digital infrastructure. Our software modernization and cloud initiative, like many of our current efforts, relies heavily on engagement and continuous collaboration across the department with DoD components and military services. We are working to normalize joint efforts versus individual achievements so that we can ensure interoperability and security, field enterprise capabilities, reduce administrative burden of multiple acquisitions, and realize economies of scale. One recent example of this type of enterprise approach is the commercial remote environment, the CVR platform, launched last year during the pandemic. Jared, you and I have talked a lot about this CVR success story, but really what Met says about CVR is this effort, which was the largest deployment of Microsoft Teams in the world, served as a catalyst for this new DoD effort called DoD 365. Later this summer or early fall, we plan to introduce additional capabilities for managed personal devices, including mobile, desktop, or laptop access to DoD 365 without the user needing to be on the Nippernet. Most recently, we focused on developing an aisle six environment for DoD 365 so that DoD personnel working on the secure network and in secure facilities can have the same capabilities as those working on the unclassified network. An aisle six environment will provide all DoD employees with the same secure office capabilities and transform how they collaborate in the secure environment. Again, DOD Deputy CIO Danielle Metz, she's talking at the HARC event from yesterday. And really what she says, all these initiatives, whether it's uh, the DOD 365 or the DevSecOps or the, the broader move to the cloud, is really helping DOD, pushing DOD to overcome all this technical debt that they hold and really showing what that future of IT modernization could look like. Now, Jared, you and I know it's not one and done. It's, it's a constant state of change. But there's progress being made, and it's clear that DoD has some momentum that they're trying to take advantage of. All right, Federal News Network's Jason Miller, thanks a lot. Always a pleasure. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. 
Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual, actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from sea to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? 
you have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federals organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they gonna say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. A financial plan isn't just about money. It's about what matters most to you, like protecting your family, supporting your community, and building a legacy for future generations. 
At Northwestern Mutual, we start with a conversation about the life you want to live now and years from now. Whether you're paying down debt, saving for college, or planning for retirement, we have an eye on your bigger picture. Get access to our financial expertise at harlem.nm.com. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, headquartered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.